0: Welcome to the Go Podcast. Go aspires to engage the local church in global missions. We seek to share mission stories that encourage, edify, and equip other Christians in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ at home and abroad. This podcast is a part of Liberty Bible Church Global Ministry. Your hosts for Go are Cami Sadner, a missions partner with Liberty, and joining her is Kevin Cram, pastor of Global Engagement at Liberty Bible Church. Welcome back to Go. Well, it has now been almost six weeks uh, since Israel experienced the brutal attack by Hamas that resulted in the deaths of over 1,400 people. And since that day, um, a flurry of violence has erupted in Gaza with a ferocity and intensity that's unmatched even for a region known for conflict. And as war rages in Gaza, the entire Middle East feels like it's dangling on a knife's edge, waiting to see if this crisis is going to spread to other fronts. One of the fault lines in the conflict that's been closely watched is the border between Israel and Lebanon, where the militant group Hezbollah poses an ever-present threat of escalation in this crisis. And in our last episode, we looked at how this conflict is impacting Christians in the region and how this might affect the work of the gospel there. And Today, we want to continue with that question by looking more closely at what times of war are like to the ones uh, who are missionaries, gospel workers serving there. And specifically, we look to the country of Lebanon, a place that has long served as a critical staging ground for missions in the region, but also a place that has seen its share of challenges in the past few years. What will this war mean for workers in Lebanon and in fields beyond? So, Cami, who will we be speaking with today?
1: Today we'll be speaking with Jenny, who serves as a gospel worker and a physical therapist in Beirut, Lebanon. Her primary ministry is working with Syrian refugees in that city as a part of a church-based community medical clinic. So, Jenny, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. So, could you just tell us a little bit about what you experienced October 7th and kind of the fallout that came these following weeks What has the general feeling in Lebanon been since then?
2: Yes, the first few days were definitely stressful. Here in Lebanon, we always live under the threat that something could potentially happen on the southern border. But of course, you go about your life as normal. So that day when I heard the news, I was actually in a mixed group of Lebanese and foreigners So we all immediately started refreshing our phones and seeing what exactly what was happening and started debating what this could mean for us. What would the next steps be? So thankfully, I already had a contingency plan in place. And I just started praying and talking with my local partners. And those first few days, it was just wait and see. But I definitely didn't sleep that well at night because (laughs) the conflict is just very real. You're very close. And... There just was not a lot of clarity as what could potentially happen those first few days. Um, But then after that, honestly, I personally struggled a lot with just grief and anger at just seeing the the devastation and the loss of innocent life. Those lives were personal for me. I have patients that are Palestinians. I'd have patients that day that were telling me what they were going through seeing this happen and what they were going through and and the different uh, memories that that would bring up for them. So that was, that was another thing that I had to really wrestle with was just what all of that meant and how to process through some of those things. And as a clinic, of course, we talked about potential preparations, how what our role could potentially be if it were to escalate or things were to start um, to escalate further into where we were. So that's that was those initial few weeks. Now this has been going on for six weeks. So life is, quote, normal but with the knowledge that they could go from 0 to 100 in any minute.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Uh can this is this is I, I really want people to get a f- picture of this because when we think of Lebanon um we we don't really understand the spatial um relationships because we we don't have an idea in our mind the the sizes of these countries like can you describe to me really briefly like what what how big is lebanon and how far are you from like geographically from these areas of of these hot spots
2: correct So Lebanon is about the size of Connecticut actually and Israel is to our southern border and Beirut would be about halfway up the up the country on the road along the coast. So we're not that far but at this point the the conflict has been localized to the border region or within about 40 kilometers um, from the border.
0: Yeah, but that just seems really crazy that when you say it's on your kind of front doorstep, it really mean it's really on your front doorstep. <laughs> like literally, be, yeah. the spaces are not very, very, very big here. You're really compact in that region. Um, so, you know, on that, I guess most people listening would only have kind of a vague awareness about what's happening in Lebanon in the last couple of years. So can you share us uh, with us a little bit about where Lebanon finds itself and what kind of impact uh, being drawn into this conflict with Israel h- would have for the country as a whole, but also for Christians there? Like, Just tell us a little bit about the last couple of years about what Lebanon has been experiencing.
2: So in, in short, over the past three years, Lebanon has experienced a failed revolution, an explosion that was the largest non-nuclear, third largest non-nuclear explosion in history an economic crisis that experts rank second only to Venezuela, where the currency lost over 98% of its value in just less than a year, as well as bearing the brunt of the continued Syrian refugee crisis, and it's currently functioning without a president and only a caretaker government. So to say the least, it cannot handle any sort of war of any magnitude on its borders. Even before the war, we struggled with providing the right medicine or having basic living essentials. Uh, Education is severely lacking. Work is severely lacking. Electricity is not constant. So that was already the situation. And we've heard that um, 10,000, anywhere up to 20,000 people have already fled from the borders along the south, um, those that live in in the border towns, and have come to areas that are safer. So that means there's extra pressure on these families that already are living in these areas to now host these families and provide for them when they already were unable to provide for themselves. So in this process, um, I've seen churches, my church included, have tried to step in and see how they can help um, potentially either with food packages or safe houses. And it's been nice to see Christians really come together like that. Um, So, And just as a whole, there's a fear of war, and that's just a constant undertone. So everyone watches the news in the evening, they see the same blood and devastation that is happening in Gaza, and they wonder if their turn is next. Uh, Israel has threatened Lebanon many times as to what they would do if the conflict were to escalate. So people are unable to plan or make plans for the future. And Christians face all of this just like anyone else does, but the difference is, is that as Christians, we pray. And I think we're seeing a really, really a focus on prayer during this time.
0: Yeah, I think that Lebanon has had its share of conflict with Israel in the past, and so there's deep memories there. I mean, the most—correct yes. me if I'm wrong—but the most recent um, outbreak of violence in was in like 2014. There was some in 2021. Um, you know, the the most. In, intense, probably maybe back in two thousand six when um, Israel actually invaded southern Lebanon, um, and whenever that has happened in the past, it has not been good for that country. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. and the and so uh, where I can tell, I, I'm I'm sure that those memories are are very fresh in the minds of people in Lebanon, and it, it is a constant source of anxiety for them.
1: Yes. So I want to touch on something pretty personal. Shortly after this kind of all started, the U.S. Department, um, the State Department issued their highest level of travel warning for Lebanon, essentially warning U.S. citizens, you know, don't travel to this country. And then more recently, they urged Americans living in Lebanon to leave immediately while reliable transportation options still even exist. I can't begin to imagine just the kind of pressure that you feel with this and that you've been under so how have you been processing these warnings and what have you and other missionaries in this country been going through while you wrestle with some of these really hard choices that you have to make?
2: So I want to be clear, I can only speak for myself in this situation. Sure. I, Every worker and foreigner has their own unique situation Absolutely. and their unique calling from God and I would support them whether they choose to stay or whether they choose to leave. But for me personally, I accepted this level of risk when I came to Lebanon My ministry, my medical ministry, is to people that are hurting, people that have been through trauma, people that are dealing with pain. So for me to leave that ministry when people are at the most need for it, that's not an option. So I I wrestled through some of these questions, many of these questions, before I even came to Lebanon. Mm -hmm. But of course, talking about them on paper (laughs) is very different than actually living through them. Yeah. There is a very real risk to staying. So Lebanon, due to the, the situation of its borders, there's only one way out. And that is through that is through air. And there's only one airport. So if that airport is bombed, then you're stuck. You're not going anywhere. And that definitely is a, a real thing when, when those warnings start to happen and you start to see people leaving and you start to see people that you didn't think would leave and then they leave. But this is where God sent me, and he will give me the strength that I need and the protection and the wisdom that I need to do what he called me to do. Um, For example, last week, I gave a devotion at my clinic to my, my team, and I shared from Mark 3, where Jesus is told that his mother and brother are looking for him. And he looked at the people sitting around him, and he said, here are my mother and my brother's whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. And I looked at my team and I said, look, many people have asked me over the last few weeks, why I'm still here when so many have left. And I told them it's not because I'm some special Christian. It's not because I'm a powerful person or I don't get afraid or anything like that. I said, this is why I said, you are my family. Mm -hmm. And as family, we stand together in difficult times and one of my coworkers, she immediately started crying and she looked at me and she said, you know what, you're right. And this, this woman, she was recently imprisoned by her family, falsely, in, in Syria and her son as well. And she said, you were the ones that stood with me when everyone else left us. And it was just a, a touching moment that really, I think, just showed all of us what it meant to live as a family of, of Christ together. So as Paul says in Corinthians perfect love casts out fear and that is the reason I'm still here that is the reason I chose to stay. Wow.
0: So in that in that having that that pathway always before you like what would you ask someone to pray for you then? How would you ask someone um to pray as you as you walk this path that you've chosen? Like how would you specifically um, need someone to pray for you in that.
2: Yeah, I would pray that, that God would give me the grace to do what he's called me to do, to give me the strength to do what he's called me to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's unimaginable to, to be in that situation for most people. Um, but I also think that uh, the choice you're making is so reflective of the gospel and the heart of God. Um, you know that God Himself did not shy away from stepping into um, a violent and awful and sinful world, and He walked among us. And you're, and it's just so amazing that you're giving that picture to people um, by doing this. And I, I affirm, like you know, every person's situation is unique, and I would never. Um, condemn or judge anyone for making a choice to leave or to not leave um, you know it's based on what God is leading them in that particular their particular situation but to choose to say I think does say a lot about um, the gospel that we believe so I really am thankful for for you in doing that so um when when we're thinking about this conflict You know, Christians uh, here in the U.S., I don't think they really consider most of the time the growing community of believers in places like Israel, Lebanon, and other countries in the region. And so how have you seen the church there respond and minister in the last few weeks? And and what do you think are the the challenges and maybe even the opportunities um, that you see this crisis presenting Christians in the region?
2: So I've been very grateful for my Lebanese church during this crisis and just watching my pastor lead us through this. And and I asked him this question. So I'll just share a few of, of his words. He said, Jenny, as you know, we pray. We have groups for prayer and we pray for peace. And we pray that the Lord will give us peace of mind and that we will be depending on him and we will be encouraged by his word every day. Generally, the situation is not like that we are with Hamas or that we are with Hezbollah. We are not. But at the same time, we cannot pray for the peace of Israel. And we know that they are occupying the land of Palestine and they are dealing very harshly with the civilians. So we pray for the war to stop. And we pray for the civilians on all sides, from the Palestinian side and from the Israeli side, because they are victims on both sides. So it is a complicated situation and we don't know if it will escalate or when it will end or what is going to happen. So we trust the Lord with all of these questions and we try to live day by day and pray to read God's word and to encourage one another. And I would just add his words, really the challenge and the opportunity in, in situations like this is how one handles the fear, how one handles mm. the news, and everything else going around, because the church should look different and how we handle these situations should look different. So we have the opportunity as a church here to lean into prayer, to encourage one another, as my pastor said, to help those in need. And for example the very first day after the conflict our church we broke into different groups in the in the church meeting and each group prayed for a different side of the of the conflict and I think that's just a
1: picture of how the church here is is trying to respond. Mm. So um I think it could be very easy to kind of shuffle into that fear of fear for you or missionaries that we know over there just say oh I don't want any part of this conflict. And kind of disengage. But what is one thing you think um, that Christians here in the US should know about the conflict that they're not getting from their social media feed or just general advice for how to handle it?
2: I'm going to quote Munther Isaac. He's a pastor of the Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church in Bethlehem and academic dean at Bethlehem Bible College in the West Bank. And he said during a recent sermon, he said, God is under the rubble. God suffers with the people of this land sharing the same fate with us. And I would just add to that, there are believers in Christ. We have brothers and sisters in Christ on both sides of the conflict. And on all sides of the conflict are people created in the image of God. And I think if we keep that in mind, that would be for our benefit.
0: Yeah, that's really um insightful wise and powerful words well um like uh like we said that this is this is touching it's very personal for you and for um for for people there um and we're grateful for the the partnership that we've had with you in this um so thank you for being on and just sharing a little bit about your perspective um with us uh, this morning
2: thank you mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, I do want to do maybe one brief time of just personal reflection as we kind of wrap up um, this time. Um, you know, the last couple weeks we've had just heard really great and amazing um, insight and stories and testimony from people that are really personally involved in the region. And that's been really helpful for me. Um, it's informed the way that I've read the news. It's informed the way that I've prayed. And so um, I just kind of want to wrap up this kind of mini-series that we've been doing on um, the conflict and the situa- current situation, just allow Cammie and I just to just share little things that are going through our minds. So, Cammie, just in light of everything that we've heard over the last couple of weeks and everything that's been going on, um, what are your kind of reflections and how are you been praying through all this?
1: My, you know, my heart, it's it's really heavy for these people. I think anytime there's somebody in need or— even you know a minority group that their voice isn't being heard and my heart bleeds for that and so it's like well what what can i do other than pray it doesn't feel like enough um but i think that there's so much power in prayer that we kind of just gloss over don't take into consideration and i do know people on both sides i have some clients that are from palestine or you know just missionaries that are in Israel. So for me, it is praying for peace for both sides and a softening of hearts and a mutual understanding that no matter what comes from this, God is going to use it for good.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I don't know if I shared this last time. Well, I think I did, but, um, you know, this, this was really impactful for me because um, I was visiting um, Beirut and I was actually visiting uh, with Jenny, among other people, uh, four days before the attack happened. Um, and I remember I was in another country at the time when I heard the news. And I immediately thought of all the people that, um, I had grown to, to love and to have, mm-hmm. f- be friends with in Lebanon and, and in other places in the region. And when, so when I started reading the information, in the news about the conflict, that's what my heart and my mind went to. It didn't go to the politics. It didn't go to, um, you know, the history or, 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 or the the arguments or the discussions surrounding it it went to those faces yeah. to those people that i know that are bleeding and hurting and suffering and um and are really deeply personally tied to everything that's going on and that changed the the way that i viewed everything it changed the way that i understand um what i'm reading uh when i read the news every day about the conflict um and it made me realize that it's not just the people that i know personally in either um Lebanon or Jordan or other places but everyone that is going through this is a, are real people and they have lives and dreams and hopes and desires and and because of that because they are all created in god's image and because they they all deserve that love and dignity no one deserves to go through the kind of um pain and suffering and violence that we're seeing and so uh, I in my heart with this, these last two episodes is that I wanted our people to hear that. Mm-hmm. I wanted our people to hear that story and to hear that perspective. And I want that to inform in the way that we pray for this. Um, because I feel like that we so often get mired in the, the ideological or the political conversations yeah. surrounding this. Um, but First and foremost, this crisis is affecting people, It's affecting lovely, wonderful people, people that I've been able to share a meal with and people that I've been able to pray with and and see um, the impact of the Holy Spirit and God working in their lives. And so I want this conflict to, to cease because I want to see the gospel furthered in, in places like Lebanon, in places like Israel, in places like Gaza. So... Um, that's my prayer um, for our church. That's my prayer for people in the U.S., and it's my prayer for the people of the Middle East. So we're really thankful again to, to Jenny to being a part of us, uh, part of this time um, with us and just sharing her unique perspective. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we really uh, um, love that you join with us, and we hope that this, uh, you can use this in your everyday life.
1: As always, you can tune in after the new year to hear plenty of new stories. And remember to go and make your life a mission.